Enterprise Digital Podcast with Ian Aitchison and Barclay Ray, navigating the ever-expanding service management maze. Hello, welcome to yet another episode of the Enterprise Digital Podcast. For those who haven't joined before, my name is Barclay Ray and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Mr. Ian Aitchison. Ian, how are you doing this week? Hello, hello. Uh, this must be episode 10,792. Uh, I'm hot. Oh, dear. Uh, well, don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot. The sun is beating down. It's the end of a very hot day recording this. So uh, any dripping noises is the sound of sweat. Oh. Uh, but, uh, yes, I'm good. Moving thanks. swiftly on, well, what, what items of sweaty interest have you come up with this week? Oh, this week's obscure random trivia is, would you like to know the 10 highest paying IT certifications for 2021. Well, I'm going to hear them anyway. Uh, I'm going to do this a little bit like reading the uh, the top 10 charts. In at number 10, dropping from number 7 in the uh, highest paying certifications is ITIL at number 10. Up like a rocket at number 9 is VCP DCV, the VMware Certified Professional Certification. At number eight, the AWS Certified Cloud Professional. Number seven, if you're a CISA, Certified Information Systems Auditor, you're only one position lower than number six, which is the Certified Information Systems Security Professional, or CISP. We'll get there eventually, yeah. Anyway, Number five, the Project Management Professional. In at number four, Certified Risk Information Systems Control, CRISC. Number three, we're getting close. Are you still with me? The Certified Information Security Manager. Number two, the AWS Certified Solutions Architect. And number one, Google Certified Professional Cloud Architect. There you go, folks. Top 10 certifications. Well, now we know. Um, (laughs) uh, What does that tell us? Uh, Where's Bartender in that? Or um... Technology ranks high. Tells us Google technology is particularly valuable and Amazon, but tells us that project and service are there in the top 10 certifications. So the management factor is there, as, as maybe not as much as the te- technical, but they still carry value. Well, they certainly do. And, um, you know, uh, being trained and qualified is, is, is really important. Moving on to our guest, and, and you know, I, I have to introduce, give him his full title, and Professor Dr. Mauricio Corona. Good day to you. Sir, good to have you on here. How are you? Hey, well, first of all, uh, thank you. It's I'm thrilled to be here with you. Thank you for the invitation, for having me, Barkley, Ian. Yeah, so far, so far, so good. I think that it's a much better year this 2021 versus the previous one. So it's 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 amazing, and it's amazing to start uh, my day here in Mexico City with this podcast. Well, it's great to be podcasting from Mexico City and. I've been there a couple of times and enjoyed your company and, and your hospitality there. Just for those that might not know you, because and, and I say professor, I've seen I've seen the video of you being inducted as a professor. But just briefly, uh, Mauricio, what, what, if people don't know you, what do you what do you do, and what have you what have you been doing to to get to the point of how did you become a professor, for example? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Yeah, well, my background is in computer sciences. Then I, I made a, a master's degree on information technology, and then I went into a research program 
uh, for getting a, a PhD. It's a PBA. It's a PhD on business administration, and that's how I well I become I became a, a doctor. And of course, I have had contact with several universities across mainly Latin America. And on the practitioner side, well, I have a couple of companies uh, based in Latin America. The, the headquarters is here in Mexico City. We advise huge, uh, medium, and small companies about how to manage their information technology. And the range of services goes from uh, from service management into robotic flows automation, big data, uh, data analytics, and of course, uh, uh, lately on, on the human outside. And uh, broad uh, across the globe, uh, I work as a CTO on the SBI, based in the UK, and uh, and I am part of their board as well. And lately, I joined the board of ACISIT in the Middle East. So I am helping them as well to drive their strategy. So, yeah, it's pretty much on, on the, the, the resume over here. Busy, man. Yeah. Sleep. <laughs> no, what, you, you need those robots. For those yeah, of you right. listening yeah. in audio yeah. only, um, yeah. we, we can see Mauricio and he's, um, he's being guarded by by two robots at the moment. They're, they are mute, but um, I'm sure they might spring into action. Well, great to have you on here. Thanks for joining us. And I'm sure we'll have lots of things to talk about on, on the podcast today. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks. Okay, let's get into the main conversation. First thing really is, I, I guess, and it's interesting what you're saying with all these different locations and, and global activities that you do. Just, I mean, we've been talking a lot on this podcast about, you know, moving the industry forward and how we think about service management across the enterprise and business areas and how it fits with all sorts of other aspects. We've had people on talking about AI and we've had people on talking about ITIL and we've had people just just before we get into the sort of robotics what's the market like in your part of the world and, and how do you see it I mean do you see server, enterprise service management as something that's a global phenomenon or is it just something that we're still talking about in I don't know the UK and the US and a few other places you, you know over here in Latin America I will say the ESM is pretty much like getting traction but it's not exactly what we are focusing on, 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 on speaking right now. And even you can see across a Latin American conferences is, is, is pretty much like IT service management. But I, I, I strongly believe that this region uh, uh, feels in the same way that the rest of the world. That it's, this is not longer a matter of IT department. This is the, 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 the digital business, you know. So I think that this acronym is, is maybe especially important in, in Europe or in other parts of the world. But over here, we, we know and we are aware that we are talking about the, the business and the digital management instead of only IT. So I think that this is getting clearer and clearer as, as the times goes by. But of course, we are getting a lot of, of interactions with, with vendors, with the global uh, service management community, and we're starting to understand, okay, it is important to, to mention enterprise service management. And I wouldn't say instead of IT service management, but let's, let's just be aware that this is a strong concept and we, we must understand it. So I think that it's going pretty well. And, and is it, I mean, is, is it easy to transfer some of those ideas in different territories, do they, do they get the, the nature of it in the sense that 
what we've learned and what we've been doing. And because I mean, I mean, you said to me before that some of the service management concepts are quite new in some of those territories. So can you just go straight to the whole business as opposed to just talking about IT? I, I think that it, it's never easy, you know, because of the cultural issues that we we normally have. But what I would say, we have we have some advantages. We have been uh, the, the Latin American region. We have been always behind Europe, behind North America. And I think that in this case, this helps us because we are not really attached to the things that, oh, no, 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 that's ITLV1. Oh, no, no, that's ITLV2. No, that's ITLV3. No, that's ITLV. No, it's, it's just that we, we, we have been behind you. And now that we are starting to, to, to hear the, the new concepts, the new frameworks, the new philosophies, methodologies that are spreading across the globe, then we are starting to say, okay, that's, that's pretty much what, what we have been hearing about this. So uh, spreading the, the, the word across the, the organization is really, really difficult because of the cultural issues, mainly the cultural issues. And I know that when I go to want to speak to, to the Middle East, to Europe, to the North America, uh, you always say, no, 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 the, the cultural issue is, is, uh, is globally. And I said, no, in, in Latin America, it's even worse. It's even worse. We do not follow any kind of process and that kind of thing. But I think that one of the other topics that I'm pretty sure that we're going to discuss is that is helping to, to, to address the service management field is uh, the artificial intelligence, because now every single people in at the sea level starting to get interested into this and you know we are seeing a lot of new new technologies new new let's say marketing names like artificial intelligence and digital transformation that well if, if they haven't listened about the service management or the, or the enterprise service management now uh, the, the ceo the cmo the cto they are starting to ask about hey what is all of this why do I need to have the digital strategy before we start doing some kind of stuff with artificial intelligence or of robotics? So I, I, I strongly believe that we are in, in very exciting, exciting uh, times for being in IT. And as long as we're moving forward, I am seeing this. And of course, Latin America is not the exception. I, I'm going to jump in a little bit. I'm always excited by the, uh, the technical sides of it. And when we talk about digital transformation, on, on here we often talk about things like the way people work, but you're bringing us into a place where we're talking more about machines influencing the way that people work and artificial intelligence. Have you got any examples of where you're seeing particular either success or, let's say, use cases that people are really excited about the potential of AI across their business? Yeah, well, I would say that, for example, it has been, I have been impressed by how much the RPA is growing across Latin America. I will say that the last three years, this is something new. So if you are working on, on, on the vendor side on RPA or on the consultancy side on RPA, or, or if you are getting a, some kind of a training as a professional on RPA, wow, that's something good because companies are, are finally understanding that everything that is, every kind of single activity that is uh, manual, and it's not offering any kind of value, it should be automatized. automatized. And on the, on the process side, on the, on the business side, when uh, some uh, uh, guys from the C-level start to understand how RPA is working, they say, wow. And then they start to, to, to say, oh, Mauricio, so on, on RPA, a robot means a license. And it's like, yeah, it's a software license. And so they are starting to understand, okay, it's not that difficult. And I said, yeah, that's right. And as long as you are executing uh, tasks that are exactly, pretty much exactly the same, and they are not adding value, 
just delegate that to, for example, to a robot, in this case, uh, a logical robot. And, and that's pretty amazing. And in Latin America, right now, RPA is, 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 yeah. is in the way, yeah. So RPA, for our listeners, robotic process automation. And just getting my words straight on this one, when we look at RPA, I definitely see that as a beyond IT technology because, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mauricio, but isn't RPA the automated interaction with the user interface of an application? So the the button click, receiving the response, taking that value, the copying it into the email, the pressing save, the interacting with three applications as if there's a person doing it. But yeah, that's right. Which is different to, let's say, task or service automation, which is running at the back end and is invisible and is poking APIs and is pressing invisible background buttons. RPA is the human facing, human replacing almost. That's right. You, you got it exactly in the, in the middle. And uh, that's why these kind of technologies are helping us to go for the IT. And that's when, when the, 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 the business is getting into the, the new technology and advanced technology. And they said, oh, wow, that's, that's really good because every single Monday I arrive and logging into my computer and then I log into my personal email, well, my work email, and then uh, I get into the ERP uh, in my organization and then download information and spreadsheets and work. After eight hours, I, I finally sent uh, these uh, uh, Monday reports to 10 people and it's like wow every monday you are doing that yes wow and why don't you delegate this to robot yeah that would be pretty much simple oh but but what i am going to do hey you are going to do tactical and strategic stuff that's why we need people Uh, artificial intelligence is it's not intelligent it's just pure mathematics executed by machines the intelligence is behind the, the, the human being so that's why we need to free you up about your time and uh, let's use this technology uh, to execute the repetitive tasks and you are going to start doing a much more productive activities for the organization. So that's amazing. And that's when, when I am starting to see how this service management world is, is getting uh, integrated with, with, you know, uh, with, the, with the business through advanced technology. And that's something very exciting for me. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There's a lot we see in here around that area with things like self-service. So there's almost maybe, do you think, an evolution where a, a, a service department might publish its self-service interface and then they might automate what happens behind that. So when people request different things or report different things, the, the reaction becomes automated. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and we must consider that this kind of automation is key in this part of the world. Why is that? Because you just mentioned the service desk. There are a lot of international organizations that uh, switch their operations into Latin America and we provide them support. So we are starting to mix. Okay, you have RPA. And then what about if we get some integrations with uh, chatbots. Right now, we need a lot of uh, strategies around multi-channel, omni-channel T, and, and we need to start automa- automatizing that. And we are getting, for example, even with, we're getting some inter- integration with virtual assistants, not only chatbots, but virtual assistants who are capable to manage and handle real uh, uh, machine learning uh, uh, techniques behind them in order to provide uh, the, the customers with real insights on a, on a day-to-day basis. That's, that's something that it will, it will be possible 
uh, by using a 100 150 people service desk mm-hmm. that's 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 not because they are just answering answering you know so the potential behind automation and, and advanced technology is huge is huge and especially in this part of the world yeah that is exciting you take that a little step further i guess you go beyond self-service and you get into another hot topic which is around things like self-healing where rather than the individual looking for help and being assisted with a virtual assistant things are detected and corrected automatically yeah yeah absolutely that's 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 trending and that's something that organizations are seeing really valuable and as long as they understand they do not need to understand how technology works. They need to understand what technology can provide, can deliver actually to, to, to them. And once that they understand that, they say, oh, wow, that's huge. Because now that I have the vision of my company, then I know how can I start using this kind of technology in order to do plenty of stuff. So versatility is one of the key characteristics that we are seeing in, in, in automation, especially in robotics. Yeah, it's, it's really good. What's I mean, because I see quite a lot of pictures and, and, you know, you've got them sitting behind you where I know that you have, because I know you've been to China and arranged various, you know, interactions with manufacturers and so on. Can you give us a a bit of a sketch of of the, if you like, the range of different types of robots? Because when we talk about RPA and, and robotic process automation, we are, we're talking about usually soft products aren't we and whereas you know we still have this image from a lot of science fiction and even some of the physical robots that you have they look like you know machines r2d2 that sort of thing how how do you see those things coming i mean are are we talking about those kind of robots or 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 are we talking about you know more just bits of soft bits of intelligent software or or a bit of both I think that it's a bit of both, but uh, definitely what, what I have seen is that the maximum expression that you will see from an artificial intelligence algorithm being executed in real life, it can be seen through the robotics and specifically speaking of the service robotics that it's the humanoid side. So uh, on the context on, the, on this, well, let, let's just consider that uh, the robotics has been part of our lives, I will say it. Well, the first time somebody started talking about robotics, it will will be maybe 75, 80 years ago. But wait, now on uh, the industrial side, uh, we started seeing on the late 80s, during 80s, a lot of uh, industrial robotics. And it's pretty much the arms that helped uh, a lot of organizations to to start, uh, for example, building cars faster with higher quality, etc. So... We have seen a lot of industrial uh, robotics, and, if, and even if you Google uh, industrial robotics associations, you will be able to see pretty much there is a, an industrial robotics associations in the U.S., in Canada, in Europe, in Middle East. So it's it's a huge it's a huge community. But what I will say is that they, they, these these kind of robots and this kind of of line of business were mainly the total cost of ownership was was. Uh, principally uh, calculated by using, okay, this robot, how many people is going to substitute, you know? Mm-hmm. So, okay, for, for, for this robot, you, you can just maybe fire 25 uh, guys and that's it. But as long as we start moving forward, uh, then we started to see another kind of robotics, especially with the revolution of, of the artificial intelligence on the, on the late uh, 2000 or on 2010 that we started experience it and getting access to 
much more power on, on, on artificial intelligence algorithms. So the software needs hardware in order to be executed. So that's, that's a key. And uh, when we start seeing this, then we start looking for the industrial robotics. Now, for example, with something that is called the cobots, you know, that those are much more specific and I would say chirurgical arms that can start doing stuff. And we can actually see uh, you can uh, uh, get automation of a coffee shop by using mainly this kind of cobots. No, they are going to start pressing buttons and grabbing the, the cup and then providing something. Then we started seeing some kind of exoskeletons and for for helping human beings to, to become superhumans. And in the in, in, at the same time, during the last 10 years, we saw a lot of uh, growing on the service robotics. And that is, uh, well, we, we actually were starting to see that there are a lot of sensors, a lot of uh, cameras, 3D cameras, sensors like, for example, LiDAR sensors, the, the ones that are using the most of the of the autonomous cars right now. Now I can actually, I, I use actually the same kind of sensor in my robots. So we start seeing that we needed a specific uh, assembly arena for the service industry. And that's where, of course, Japan, China, Russia, they started building really interesting uh, warehouses for service robotics. And I will say that it will be maybe the last 10 years that, we, that we've seen that. And what we are seeing, of course, the, the, the interest is growing. And as the interest is growing, for example, right now, we are starting to see how can we assemble our first Mexican robot on 2022, you know? And the main issue is why, why haven't you done that? It's because of pricing, the pricing model. And, you know, the most complicated part of on the service robotics industry is the business case. If there is no a strong business case, then the organizations are not going to to get a robot. So that's pretty much the con- the context over here. And that's interesting because I mean, you know, it, it still takes us back to the challenge that we have with almost every type of technology, which is, you know, why would you want to do it? What, what's the outcome? What's it trying to fix? And how much is it going to cost? And you know, managing the business case and the risk and all that sort of thing. So, I mean, right. are, do you get people now that are starting to say, "Oh, just give me, I, I just want robots and not thinking about why and and so on." Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you guys a story. Why why did I started on the on on the service robotics? Uh, three years ago, a customer here in Mexico on the financial services side, a, a big financial services company, approached me and said, hey, Mauricio, can you help us uh, with uh, with service robot? And I would say, well, yeah, okay, we can start doing that. No worries, we can start working on the strategy. So I went into their offices, and then when they started explaining me to this, then I said, okay, but we, first of all, we need to understand what's the problem or the issues that you are trying to address with the robot. And they say, no, 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 Mauricio, you are not understanding us. We bought the robot. Six months ago, it's a Japanese robot, 45,000 euros, and it is right now in my storage area because I do not know what to do with the robot. And I said, wow, this is huge because I normally use it to, to think that robotics, oh, no, no, that's, that's on the mechanical, on the electrotechnical side. Oh, no, no, that's, and then I said, wow, that's, that's bingo, service management, it should be link it, strictly link it with robotics. Why is that? Because on that side, on the robotic side, everybody's talking about STEM. STEM, you know, it's, it's uh, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Everybody's, no, 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 it's, it's STEM is the future, STEM is the future. And I said, uh-uh, it's not only STEM, it's STEM plus B of business. 
if you do not understand what are you trying to achieve with the STEM, then the technology is useless because technology is not the end. Technology is, is only the one that is going to, to, to enable you to get where do you want to, to arrive, you know? So it is something that I say, wow. And that's exactly why I started to invest time, effort, and money on, on developing uh, new products and services now using advanced technology. But everything starts exactly on what I have been doing the last uh, 15 years. It's with the service management consultancy services. That's where we started with the robotics if we want uh, these robots to be successful into the organization. So that's pretty amazing. As you were describing that, Mauricio, I was remembering last week's podcast, Barkley, my little intro nonsense at the beginning was talking about a new story about, I'm reading it again, restaurants starting to hire robots instead of people because the people are demanding higher wages at the moment post-pandemic. And so people are saying, you know, we have a use for that robot out the back and it's going to be a lot cheaper than hiring the staff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. And on the other side, what I will say there is, well, it's it's not a matter of, okay, I will get rid of, of my people. It's, well, the robots will need somebody behind them, you know, mm. maintenance, charging them, uh, logistics and that kind of things. So the, the same stuff can be part of it. So we, we can both grow together, you know, the human side and the robotic side. But of course, uh, the robot will help us as well to, to, to stop allowing that, that for example, Maybe the waiter will, will say, no, 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 I will charge you the, the, the double or, or three times more. And it's like, no, 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 that's not fair either. Yeah. So that's the perfect balance, you know, it's in the robotics and the human side. So it's, it's really nice. But you have to be happy as well, coexisting alongside robots. So uh, my wife, she doesn't love the Roomba iRobot Roomba yeah. device that we have. I'm the only one that will ever use it. I'm the only one that turns the little machine on that goes wiggling around the floor because it makes her uncomfortable. She doesn't like it. She'd rather spend her time physically doing the job than watching a machine that makes her nervous. There's a cultural factor there, I think. Not That's everybody right. faces. You know, I'm, I'm looking in the background. This is audio only, but I can see yeah. a large humanoid object with a blank black yeah. staring yeah. Yeah. Did you just uh, answer the question? Of, hey, why why did uh, the industry so the, the the necessity of having a, a humanoid? Well, mm. that's exactly because it, it's not easy to, to to interact with with robots. So the the more uh, humanoids they behave, then I will I, I will say that it's easier to get uh, used to it. So it's very interesting. I think you're right. We will we will get um, gradually like all these things. It becomes it's a novelty at first, self service. There's one thing that just occurred to me there. It's quite interesting in terms of what you're saying, because you're saying that people had bought the robot without thinking what to do with it. Okay. And that, that's where we've got to. But we're also now at the stage, I think, where as humans, we're starting to think about that the, at the other end. The, the, do we need this stuff? I mean, we have the example in my family of, you know, we're constantly going, do we really need a car? Um, do we really need to have all these gadgets in the house, in the kitchen that we never use? That use up power and so, so on the one hand, we're we're bringing in new stuff to simplify our lives and, and improve them. And actually, it's you know it's like that. You've probably seen that picture where there's a whole desk of all sorts of technology, and then it goes down to to one iPhone. You know, it's kind of going down. But at the same time, we're sort of going, well, we don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need. You know, it's sort of ch- the, the mindset is kind of moving on. That we do we need as much stuff. To, uh, to keep ourselves good. I mean, hopefully the robots won't be that. Hopefully the robots will be there to do 
good work yeah. and, and make our lives make our lives. But I'd, I'd hate to think that, you know, we had the kitchen cupboard full of robots that we didn't use, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. So, yeah, and you, are, and you are getting back exactly, the, we are arriving at the same point. There, there should be a strong business case in order to adopt. And we, we, we in this community uh, know everything that means adopting something. So in order to adopt the, the a humanoid, a robot, etc., then there, there should be a strong business case because if not, it will be a gadget. And and they, uh, now more than ever, it will be an optional era, which is the edge computing. Everything uh, will be connected in your home, and there will be a lot, a lot of processing data inside your house. And well, what's what's the benefit for me? What's the value for me? So. This is something on which you know we have been bombarded with marketing and sales strategies and etc. But we should apply exactly the same rule. Yeah. Do, do I really need a car? Yeah. So just rounding this back to service management and our topic of enterprise and enterprise digital. I mean, what in the next couple of years, just practically, what if, if I'm an IT service manager, or, you know, I I run an IT operation or I'm a CIO. What what realistically in the next two or three years do you think that I will be buying and implementing and using to get value that you know maybe it would never have occurred to me even a few years ago? Yeah, I will say that if I do not understand uh, what the value is, for example, from the framework side in this case, the service management frameworks that we that we have, and if we are not able to see the value on, on how these kind of best practices can help me to adopt new technology and being uh, more, more flexible, then the frameworks will, will just step aside. But you know, it's, it, it could happen with, with ITIL or with, with any other one. So I will say that the main challenge that we are facing on the frameworks, on the methodologies, on the philosophies that we have right now is pretty much what the, the essence of them are, that is this really a best practice? So because the best practice should be repeatable, should be flexible, should be adoptable, should be... And, and, and as long as the frameworks can transmit that into the businesses, into the IT departments, then they, they will keep using them as, as their main tool. I was surprised by, by seeing, I, I, I know that normally uh, when, when, when Ian started talking about the, the, the first certifications that are, that are you know, the, the more profitable, let's say. And uh, I was saying, wow, you know, the technology is still the, the, the key component. It's still the key component. Of course, we are seeing project management and service management at the end, and, and they are in the top 10. But I am one of the, you know, my, my, my two companies are very clear on this, is we are too agnostic. We do not care about brands. So hmm. I think that that's why we find the, the, the perfect balance between uh, frameworks and best practices versus technology. And I think that uh, those uh, two worlds need to start working together and, and working together because there should be a balance, a balance in, in all of this, uh, from compliance perspective, from security perspective, uh, from delivery perspective, you know. So it's it's really important for the industry to keep watching and, 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 and considering both parts. And I remember just only a couple of years ago, I think it was a Gartner conference they were talking about the incoming wave of artificial intelligence and machine learning and their advice to uh, IT leaders, IT business leaders, was start embracing these technologies now because you will make mistakes, you will get it wrong, but if you don't start doing these things now, you'll look around in five years and your competitors are ahead of you and you're dead in the water. So you have to 
embrace the new ideas and play with them and try them. And yeah, sometimes frameworks hold you back in that sort of mindset as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but just finally, there's the sorts of things that we would, you know, whether it's at the service desk level or, 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 or beyond, I mean, what just kind of couple of examples would you, would you say that where we would be using robots or, or even, you know, what we're doing with RPA again, yeah. you know, what, what practical things are, are we, do, do you see coming along next in that area? Yeah. What I am seeing is, is for example, you, you just mentioned service desk and that's a key, that's a key example for me. The main concept of the service desk is trying to get the, we started discussing 20 years ago, there should be the single point of contact for IT. And then it started growing. Then it went to the enterprise side. And now these, these concepts of service desk are key for the enterprises. Why is that? Because they need to consolidate every single multi-channel or, or omni-channel that they have into a single point of storage. Why is that? Because we need to take care of data analytics. We know that data is the new oil for the organization. So uh, as long as I have this, this kind of, of information uh, gathered in the right way, then I can start executing very rapidly new strategies for, for, for being more competitive. So why uh, it is important uh, in, in this case, I will start for this. Right now you have several points of contacts. You have uh, your web page, you have social media, and on the social media, you're opening and opening new channels. It's, it's oh no, we, now you, you can contact us through Facebook, through Twitter, through LinkedIn, and it's like, wow, and who is measuring that or who is handling that? And then, so you start with multi-channel T, for example, and then you say, okay, who is going to take care on the first uh, line or on the self-awareness uh, or self-help? Then we can start linking this into new tools, into robotic process automation, into chatbots, into virtual assistants. And after that, we can start orchestrating all of this information into a, a service management system. And the service management system is considering capacity, continuity, security, blah, blah, blah. So it is really, really interesting how you must build your digital ecosystem inside your organization. And that's how these both uh, sides of the coin that, that we were discussing, service management and new technologies are working. And that's exactly why I do not li like to talk, oh, yeah, 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 the cloud services. No, 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 we are discussing Azure or uh, AWS or Google. No, it's cloud services and that's it and the cloud service industry is going to have one of their, their main changes in the upcoming years why is that because we have edge computing right now and in the middle there is going to be fog computing so there are going to be local data centers in order to handle all of these capability capacity that you need from 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 the edge and then you will have the traditional cloud services so we, we all think, oh, no, it's in the cloud. Yeah, and the, and the trend is that the cloud is getting back into your home. So the, if I am betting on a strategy on, on AWS or in Google, then you are on the wrong side. You must bet your strategy on the service management system because it will help you to enable and underpin your, 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 your business strategies regardless which kind of technology are you using. And what will happen if you are starting to use virtual reality and augmented reality the next week who is going to handle that uh, or, uh, amazon do you have something google do you have no you're not going to. that's the, the wrong way to start so that's why it's, it's really important to 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 orchestrate all of this into into this management system you know to play that back a little bit as well you're saying it's not about the individual technologies 
you're saying a bit like with the STEM plus B, the future needs the B dimension to introduce almost, you know, any technology needs a purpose, needs a reason. Absolutely. Without that, it's just tech for the sake of tech. Yeah, and, and you know, it's impressive. How many, how many concepts have we talked Robots, and the robots, it's service robots, industrial robots, cobots, exoskeletons, and we have discussed, okay, RPA, and then chatbots, and their virtual assistant, and now augmented reality, and then virtual reality, and yeah. we haven't get into, for example, blockchain. You know, so as long as you start, uh, wow, this is, this <laughs> is something that uh, these kind of technologies are not the future. They are right here. So the role of, of technology in this, or technology people, is to face off, face that off to business people who just get on and do, you know, the idea of the citizen developer or the citizen admin and so on. They don't know or care what's going on behind the scenes. They just, right. they just yeah. do it. Yeah, that's why, that's why a lot of organizations in Latin America, hey, Mauricio, because now it's hot, the, the topic of uh, digital transformation. And it's like, hey, Mauricio, digital transformation, what kind of technology do you suggest us? And it's like, eh, well, digital transformation, it's about technology, it's about people. <laughs> so we should start working with people. And after that, we should move into the strategy. And after that, this strategy will tell us if you need to buy a robot in, in Asia or in Europe or in Middle East, or if you are going to manufacture this insight because it's better for your strategy but that doesn't matter what really matters is the people and your strategy you know so it's 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 that's the way to go okay that's all fascinating stuff thank you so much for uh, for bringing that and your enthusiasm and, and knowledge to the podcast I, i'm exhausted um, <laughs> you want a little piece of um, robotic trivia by the way just to top and tail this oh, one no yeah okay <laughs> on you go yeah <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. But this, I've always thought this is fascinating. So uh, we talk about artificial intelligence and at least artificial life. And one of the first examples of artificial life in fiction, of course, was Frankenstein, the modern Prometheus, written by, altogether, Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley, yeah. Mary Shelley, who uh, met with uh, Lord Byron when she wrote the book. There was a famous, they got together for uh. a few weeks in Geneva by a lake. And that's where all the ideas came from. Did you know the daughter, the only legal daughter of Lord Byron was Ada Lovelace. Ada Lovelace, the inventor oh. of algorithm. The algorithm wow. that powers everything that Mauricio is talking about. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. That's a good, that's a good one, Ian. How about that? Right. That's, and on that's that one note, of your best ones. That, 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 <laughs> that one makes sense. Ah, wow. Wow. Fantastic. I didn't know. So yeah. we, everything comes back to... Um, where it started from we all go around in circles and while we're going around in circles we have we enjoy ourselves and hopefully we make progress absolutely right well that was a fascinating discussion Thank you very much, uh, Mauricio, for bringing your... Thank you uh, for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's always a pleasure. Yeah. We, we now... Well, Ian will now ask you a serious question, um, a proper question. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know whether it would be... Whether you would be served by a robot f- would, for this, but um, we now have the podcast bar. So, <laughs> Ian. Yes. So, as you walk up to the podcast bar, you are served by a robot, of course. And that robot will ask you, in a robotic voice, what your recommended drink to the listeners of the Enterprise Digital podcast is. What drink would you recommend to our listeners? Uh, cognac. Cognac. 
Yeah. Cognac as opposed to Armagnac or? Uh, oh, uh, oh, no. Cognac, yeah. Yeah, but it's made in, made in France. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof, any, so any, prote- any particular one? one? Yeah. Well, I, I really enjoy the, the Hennessy. Hennessy and Martel are my favorites. So I just want to, for, for example, sit down, listen to a podcast, something like, oh, a cognac will work really good, really good. Recommended with our podcast always, a double cognac. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Double one. Yeah. Especially when we are discussing AI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Where can people find you, Mauricio? If, if somebody out there is listening and want to contact you, how do they do that? Yeah. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, they can go over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and your company is VP uh, Guru, is that BP right? VP yeah. Gurus. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll put that into the show notes and people yes, people can, can find you from there. Yeah. For now, thank you so much for you and your robot friend that joined behind you on the podcast. I can confirm that I am not a robot. I'm not sure about Ian, but... Um, <laughs> Maybe he can confirm. Are, are yeah, you a robot? Yeah. He is. Yeah. Okay. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, good. We'll see you, you next time. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Take care and stay Our safe. Our pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Thank you and, and sure see, you. see you next time. Take care, Ian. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. See you next time. Right.